Hey guys, it's Jazz here with another episode of Daily Journey with Christ. Today we're going to be diving into 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, and 12, and I will be reading from the NLT translation today. As usual, I will conclude this episode off with something that I've learned of the day, and today's fact is to do with knitting. But for now, let's dive into God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died for snake bite, from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are responsible people. Describe for yourself if what I am saying is true. When we bless the cup of the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance? Or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions or conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner... Accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol 
don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that may, they may be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays and prophesies without covering of her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair, but since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshipping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. But among the Lord's people... Women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's dis disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so you have what God's approval to be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it to pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. 
For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with this world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at your home so you don't bring judgment upon yourself when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There is a There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message to special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized in the one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, The body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less of a body, less a part of your body. And if your ear says, I am not part of your body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of your body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are so many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't see you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, 
some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the churches. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have a gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have a gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we have the power to do miracles? Do we have the gift of healing? Do we have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And that is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, and 12. I don't know about any of you, but I know for me is I've grown up with being self-conscious and realizing that there's parts of me that I don't like. But the one thing I have to remember is God created me exactly how I'm supposed to be. And this passage tells us exactly that is God has given us all of our gifts and powers um, that we need here on our uh, earthly earthly kingdom. And with that is I have to remember that my strengths are going to be different than someone else's strengths, that my strength of my communicating or my love for animals allows me to be able to care for those animals where someone um, who is more about humans might go into a medical route of human medicine. So we all have to realize that everyone has different strengths. Some are people, people persons, people persons. (laughs) And then we have some people who are just like, I'm going to stay behind. I don't want to be seen. And God created us all in his image and the way he wanted us to do, uh, do his work, like show his world. But anyway, that concludes today's message. To conclude this episode, um, I wanted to tell you about my day. And one thing I decided to do today is one thing I used to do a fair amount of was knitting. And I had done it a lot with my grandmother growing up before she had passed away, um, last year and then I had stopped doing it and I was reintroduced to knitting about a year ago and I fell away again because it's one of those things and today I realized that I wanted something to do while I was watching tv or just wanting something relaxing just to um, have my hands doing something because I'm a type of person my anxiety I bite my nails or I uh, pick at them and So I wanted something I can do with my hands and I found my knitting needles and so I decided to start knitting again today. So when I say today, I mean like an hour and a half ago, but that's a side note. So here, if you see in the video, you can see I've not gone very far. I've only done maybe an inch and a half here, but I've decided to make a dishcloth of this just for now. And 
that being said is I started questioning about knitting. And so I started looking into some history about knitting and seeing what actually like the origin of knitting. And there's actually not a whole lot about the origin of knitting because their knitting has decomposed over the years. So no one actually truly knows when knitting became a thing. But one thing I came across about is that people actually compete and have like have been Guinness World Records when it comes to knitting. And one thing, I'm going to read this exactly from what I found, but it's really interesting. And it says, runner David Babcock broke a Guinness World Record for his time in the Kansas City Marathon. Five hours, 48 minutes, and 28 seconds. If you're wondering what's so special about that time, he managed to race the entire race while knitting a scarf that measured by the end 12 feet long. And in 2012... Knitters gathered in the Royal Albert Hall in London, and they set the record for the most people knitting simultaneously. They had 3,083 people knitting. Which, to kind of go back to that marathon one, um, I don't know about any of you, but one, I can't imagine running a marathon in the first place, and two, while knitting. So I do definitely recommend looking up is this runner. I looked it up and he actually had like a fanny pack um, and that's where his yarn was. And he actually just like knitted while running and he didn't place first place, but he did still break record. So just know that there's always records to be broken and might be the weirdest ways, but God created us for a purpose and not quite sure exactly sometimes what God's thinking or individuals, but all we can do is pray that God puts us and puts us where we need to be and pray that God will guide us to who, who, what, and where we're supposed to be. But for now, that's everything today. I hope you all have a great evening or a day, depending when you're watching this. And we will see and see you tomorrow when we dive into the last remaining chapters of 1 Corinthians. Anyway, good night, everyone.